What's happening? Welcome to Wong Notes Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Wong. I'm chilling today. Actually, I'm doing the opposite. I don't know why I lied to you right there out of the gate. I promise not to lie to you, okay? I don't mess around like that. I'm not chilling today. I am on my way to Kansas City to start my tour. Just rehearsed in Nashville for a couple days. Starting a tour, U.S. West Coast run. It's going to be freaking fun. I'm super excited about it. Band is slamming. So, if you live in the U.S., check out check out my website. There, I got a bunch of tour dates up. It's it's going to be fun. I promise you that. That is not a lie. All right, today on the show we have Tora. Who's a great guitar player, singer songwriter from Norway. I got hip to Tora through what else? Instagram. Well, that's sometimes how we find people these days. The internet. That's how I find out about most people. So somebody sent me, hey, you got to check Tora out. This new tune is really cool, blah, blah, blah. I checked it out. I was like, whoa, these guitar tones are dope. This is really cool stuff. Wonder what it is. I was surprised in this interview to find out what was used for the guitar tones but also kind of not surprised because I use this same sort of thing a lot of times. But it's just interesting to see how other people use the gear that was used. How about that for a teaser? Clickbait, if you will. So check it out. Thanks for being with us. Torah. This season of Wong Notes podcast is brought to you by DistroKid. If you're not familiar with DistroKid, it's who I use to upload my music and whatnot to the internet. So I put out an album, DistroKid will send it to Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon. With other services, sometimes they charge you by the album per year. So like you have five albums out, they'll charge you for each album every year. With DistroKid, it's just one yearly fee. As many albums as your band has, they can be up there. And that's just one cost. I love it as somebody who puts out a lot of music. And if you're in a band or that sort of thing, you can actually pick your team and they'll do splits for your team. So you can choose this person gets 25% of the royalties, this person gets 25%, this person gets 2% because they didn't contribute to the group project or whatever. No, 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 no. You can choose whatever percentage you want for as many collaborators as you want. So it's amazing. Check it out, DistroKid. Let's get to it. Awesome. Well, Tora, thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Yeah, it's fun. We've conversed over the internet before, and I guess this is no different because we are still on the internet. But it's at least nice to speak in person-ish. Yes, <laughs> I think so too. <laughs> but I, I've been listening a lot to your latest album, Girls, and your, your newest single, Waste of a Pretty Face. I'm curious, are you producing all that stuff? No, I'm not producing it. Uh, uh, Our last album was produced by my brother, and the latest single is produced by a guy called Benjamin Jotsch. And you do it all, you did all of those in Norway? Yeah, that's right. Okay, so the first thing I want to start with is the guitar tone, because there's some really cool guitar tones on there. Yeah. And I'm curious, did you use your signature guitar for all all those tunes? Uh, the thing is, uh, the album called Girls, I when we recorded that, I hadn't gotten my signature guitar yet. Okay. But on Waste of a Pretty Face, our latest single, I used uh, the signature guitar, yes. Nice. Yeah. And what are you, 
a direct recording type person where you mess with it in post or did you do you like get the tone mic up the amp what's your process as far as recording guitar tone right well i i use whatever's in logic most of the time to be honest with you really yeah nice yeah um on on the album i think me and my my brother is also a guitar player so um he did a few things and i did a few things uh but when the things that i did mostly stuff in logic yeah just messing around. <laughs> what are your go-tos in there? Because they, I, I've always agreed, they have some amazing tones in there. What What are your go-to sounds in Logic? Oh, wow. It depends. But, um, you know, you always have that kind of thing you go to that you know, okay, this will sound okay no matter yeah. what. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, there is this thing called uh, Double Driven, I think. It's a sound that I, I use. And, oh, I'm sorry. And, um, but I usually just pick like this preset or whatever, and I just mess it up, you know, I just play around with it. So when I'm done, it, it doesn't really sound like it started out, but, uh, so I don't really have like a good answer for you because I, I get lost in that world until it feels good. Yeah. But you use lot, like that whole album is pretty much just logic guitar tones. Yeah. The things I did. Tweaked. Yeah. 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 That's amazing. I love that. Actually, the um, the song, there was a song that I did with Tom Mish called Cosmic Sands. And he is a similar way. He's, he, sw- he swore by Guitar Amp Pro, yeah. which I think is like the old, it's like from Logic 9. So if you had Logic 9, which I did, I mean, I started on Logic 7 when you used to have a little dongle <laughs> to like make it work. But he wanted to use that. And then... There's a, another cool trick. There's a, a plugin, just the overdrive plugin. It's not even necessarily like a guitar overdrive, but there's just a plugin that's overdrive that he was showing me like, dude, just check this out. Put this a little bit on the kick and it does just a thing. It adds some like extra overtones and harmonics to stuff. And I got, I, I that from that point, I was like, oh, you know what? I got to dive a little more deep into just some of, the stock logic plugins because there's stuff that's so good in there. Yeah, I agree with you. And and to be honest, I've been kind of embarrassed to say that that, that is my process. But at the same yeah. time, you know, I I work so much from home uh, and I make mm-hmm. the demos and I work so long in, in logic that, you know, at, at a certain point, I think that was kind of like my go-to thing. So I know how to use it. And it that's, yeah. I, I work so fast in logic now so yeah 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 yeah. yeah, it just works best for me so i'm trying not to feel embarrassed of saying that i don't use amps and pedals when i'm recording but i think a lot of guitar players are doing the same thing absolutely i think nowadays really the only thing that matters is does the guitar sound dope like Mm -hmm. if it sounds good who cares how you got it like that's that's to me like if i'm using a plugin if i'm using an amp Great, because a lot of times the plugins sound way better than the amps. Yeah. Like, okay, so then why would I even consider using the amp? And, you know, not to mention it's just so much easier and the tweakability afterwards. Oh, maybe I actually want that a little brighter or a little darker. And then I can just go into the amp in Logic or Pro Tools and just change it. Yeah, exactly. I um, I think it's brilliant. And uh I love working in Logic. I think it's uh, it's great. So I was listening to your album, 
And I had to consider the fact that you are three things on this album. You are the guitar player, you are the singer, and you are a songwriter. Yeah. Which do you feel is your biggest strength, or is it a combination of those three that makes you who you are? Yeah, that's a cool question. Uh, It's definitely the combination, but to be honest with you, I think I look at myself as mostly like an entertainer and a performer. Mm. And yeah. I have, yeah, and I have these weapons. Like the guitar for me is just, it's an extra weapon that I can use and that I know how to use. Um, so I have never considered myself to be a guitar player or a singer or a songwriter. <laughs> but I, I just want to be on stage. And I think when you put those three things together, you have something different. Uh, because I use the guitar it's an extension of my voice, and I think it is for, for, for many of us. But yeah. I play what I would sing, and it's, it's the combination. And uh, I add some dancing to it. I sometimes yeah. take little clothes off. You know, I just put on a show. It's the, I'm a huge Michael Jackson fan. You know, I've studied Michael Jackson for years. So I try to mix being kind of like a boring guitar performer with the Michael Jackson energy and just give people a show that they weren't expecting. Um, mm. So I think that is kind of like my my thing. Do you feel like you excel more in the live realm because of that rather than on, on albums? Yeah, I've had some... Uh, I've never really liked being in the studio. Um, mm. I think it's it's difficult. That's why I like making the demos at home because then I can kind of disappear into my own bubble and take my time without the produ- producer being present. Um, but when I'm on stage, I'm I'm at my best. I do my best work on stage. I do. I yeah. sing better. I play better. Uh, it, like in a studio, I, I I can find it difficult. So so, so yeah, I, I like being on stage. <laughs> have you considered just doing a live album then? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I have. <laughs> Definitely. I, it's it's really interesting. Some of the people that we've interviewed, their most successful or like some of their breakthrough albums have been live albums. Yeah, and I I'm I'm fascinated by the idea that that could work, but it's so not the main path to having a successful album is by doing it live. Mm-hmm. But then again, it's like listen to Purple Rain, like that. You know, yeah. there's so much, um, there's so much that you could do. Like Frampton comes alive. Like, come on. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you know, it's possible. It is possible. And I mean, um, when I first heard Where the Light Is by John Mayer, I mean, th- that was the reason why I picked up the guitar. Uh, that live album. Really? I mean, yeah, 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 definitely. So, so I would, I would love to do a live album. The thing is, you know, everything is expensive. No, no matter what you're yeah. going to do, it costs a lot of money. So I think I yeah. have to finish this third album that I'm working on now. And if some money like magically appears, I will use them for a live album. <laughs> See, I've actually thought the opposite. Because when I go on tour, I have my rig or a lot of times like if there's a digital board that mm-hmm. we're playing into. So I go to do my concerts, and I get paid for doing my concerts. Mm -hmm. But I also just hook up my laptop to the digital console, and it just records the show. Yeah. And it's like, 
you get a free recording. Yeah. Actually, a lot of venues make us pay this thing called an origination fee, which mm-hmm. sucks. Um, but I don't know. Whatever. It's just part of the industry. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, I think I, m- my brain is very like focused on like uh, how to promote it, like the cover art and, and everything around it. You know, I, I start overthinking every single release. Yeah. So if, if I wanted to, I could release a lot of stuff like boom. But I'm, I love perfection. So maybe that's my, my problem. I don't know. <laughs> sure. And I guess if you really want to make that live album your statement, mm-hmm. you're going to want to rehearse it a lot and make sure that everybody in the band is absolutely certain of what they're doing. Yeah. But still captures that energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, what is it that makes a really good live performance? Because I've seen some of your videos and you definitely are a natural entertainer, or at least it seems that you are very much, there's a certain magnetism to seeing like, you know, you seem like very joyful. You seem very good, very comfortable, very natural at what you do when you perform live. I'm curious if you have been able to pinpoint certain things that just make a very good live performance. Experience. Because I feel like I'm I'm on stage. I am there because of the people who have paid tickets to see me. So that's yeah. that's my focus. Like I'm I'm not on yeah. there on yeah, I'm not on stage going like, oh look what I can do and look at me moving and I'm not there to show off. I I yeah. Oh, I don't like to show off. Uh so I'm there to entertain. I'm there for the audience. That's the reason why I'm there. Uh, so that's my focus. And I think that has helped me a lot mm-hmm. to kind of leave myself out of it and to think that every show is your last. Go all in. It doesn't matter if it's 100 people or 1,000 people. Like, Go all in and be prepared. Take it seriously and be prepared. Yeah, I think that's kind of the most important things for me. That's great. Okay, I have a question about songwriting. Mm. For people that are bilingual, I've worked with some songwriters from all different parts of the world. And I was recently working with some songwriters from Sweden. And they had this approach that was really unique. And I, I noticed maybe a similar thing in some of your lyrical choices where you, uh, at least I'm, I'm not going to say that this is what you do, but for, when th- for them, what they were doing is they were less concerned about literal meaning and actual like context of a word and a lot more about how a word sounds Mm -hmm. it's just like oh i don't know these these words just kind of sound cool i was like i don't know if it makes sense though and they're like yeah but it just sounds cool and then afterwards it's like oh yeah actually you know what it kind of it makes just enough sense and phonetically it just sounds really awesome i'm wondering if you ever like run into that sort of thing with your songwriting (laughs) that's funny wow i never heard anyone say that oh wow um, yes, I, I am very focused on how word sounds. I am. Yeah. Uh, obviously like English isn't my first language. So, uh, it takes me a while to, um, to write in English. Um, yeah. but that, but then again, I mean, and I don't think this is because I'm Norwegian. I think every songwriter thinks like this, but the words have to have rhythm. And when I hear, when I hear a song and someone has written and the lyrics is great and everything, but the groove isn't there. The word is off. The word is off. It's too long or it's too short. Then it's like my back itches. I can't, I can't listen to the song. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's, 
it has to be group it has to be yeah anyway that's the most important thing and uh, and i try to check with people who are very good in english before i release anything so it's not wrong sure yeah obviously but um but yeah it's a weird thing writing in a different language than you speak it's it's um it's strange um i'm still kind of learning to to do that naturally 100% it takes takes a while yeah but i feel like there also might be a certain amount of freedom where like maybe you'll just pick something where it's like i think this word means this and you might find things that are actually more unique than somebody who's where english is their first language that they might write something different or they're going to they're going to have all these other connotations tied to specific phrases or words that you might have less of and you're just like i don't know this sounds cool and it's actually made there's maybe a little more freedom in there somewhere yeah i think you're right i think you're right um there's more freedom to it and it's more maybe more like playful sure yeah and i and i personally like to 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 write like i don't like metaphors i don't like to be mysterious and uh, talk mm. about the ocean and colors and the woods and nature and stuff. I'm more like to the point, this is what I feel. And if you are going to relate to it, I have to be direct. And I also communicate that way when I talk to people. Uh, so it's, it's very, like in your face, this is what I mean. And if it's, if it's too much for you, don't listen to it. But, and especially the, the things that I'm working on now, it's going to be, um, it's going to be a lot. <laughs> in what way? Um, you know what? I think I'm at a point where I'm, I'm, I'm kind of fed up about a lot of things, especially, uh, the way I've been treated as a woman in this industry. And I'm, I'm kind of taking those topics like head on. Um, yeah. and I'm being direct. I'm not making it look good or sound good. I'm, it's, sure. it's rough. It's rough. And I think it's time. I'm, I'm, I'm tired of being the cute, nice girl who plays guitar and mm. looks cute on videos. Like, that's not me. So it's time that I'm, you know, uh, yeah. I, I, yeah, it's going to be a lot. <laughs> there are probably several people who will, there's probably a lot of people who will listen to this podcast and feel some of those same things or, or have those same experiences. What do you say to those people on how to reconcile that for themselves, and how to, I don't want to use the word overcome, but how to, how, how to face that. I thought about that the other day. Um, I think I was, I was, personally, I was lucky because I, um, my brain, when I started out, my brain kind of shut out all of the comments mm -hmm. and all of the, the bullying, you know, it's, it's basically bullying a lot of the time. Yeah. My brain kind of shut it out naturally because I was so focused on my goal that I didn't hear the noise, if that makes sense. Mm, absolutely. But now when there are more people uh, bringing me feedback, there are more people watching me uh, and I'm so out there, it's, it's harder to shut the noise out because it's so much. So the last two or three years, I have really kind of felt that comments are affecting me. That hasn't happened before. That's a new thing. So I think the only kind of advice, if you should call it that, is to surround yourself with people who believe in you and to, and to stop giving up, to be honest. Like, um, 
do your thing and believe in yourself. And I know that's cliche, but when it all comes down to it, if you don't believe in what you're doing and in yourself, you, you, you will have to stop because you can't make it. They will break you. I'm sorry to say, yeah. but I think that's that's a fact. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's about truly 100% believe that what you are doing is good enough and that you have something to say and that you want people to listen. Uh, and back to that thing of showing off, that if that's your goal, if you want to be famous, if you want to show off, you're not going to make it. It's um, find out why you're doing what you're doing. Do you love it? Okay, let's go. Let's do this. I think it's that sim simple. <laughs> but I think it, for a lot of artists that I've noticed, there's some other message or there's some other big picture thing tied to it rather than just like, oh, I love doing this. Like that, that's cool. That's great. But is there something for you where you feel like there is a calling above just loving to do it and, and having it be something really fun? Like, is there, is there a guiding light or principle that you focus on in your artistry? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, yes. And that happened early, uh, many, many years ago. I got tired of that thing. Yeah, I, I, I love being on stage. I love my job. I do. And I always will. But it's not enough. Mm -hmm. For me, it wasn't enough. I needed to have <laughs> something. I needed more. Yeah. And what I, what I realized was my thing was to inspire uh, younger girls, you know, obviously to, to, to kind of be in charge uh, and, yeah, and to speak up. You know, we are born to be afraid to, to speak up because we are very often shut down or not listened to. So it's in our bodies, in our nature to kind of be in the background. So to, to inspire girls and women to like to speak up, that is something that is very important to me. And also number one is to normalize uh, women and girls <laughs> being in front and being um, instrumentalist. Like the one thing that I'm so tired of female guitar player. If I hear someone say that again, and I get that, yes, I am female. I Yes, obviously, I, I am a female guitar player, but you don't say male guitar player, so. Exactly. Exactly. So to normalize that, and so that's not going to be a topic on every interview that I do, like every single yeah. one for the last 10 years, that has been the question. How is it like to be a female blues guitar player? I'm like, I don't know because it's not relevant sure. to me. Yeah. It's not relevant to anything. My gender isn't relevant. And to normalize that is probably my number one um, hmm. inspiration and motivation, I think. And to your point about the comments and things that wear you down, I can only imagine that when people start to, to associate things about your identity for you, that, 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 I, I can imagine that that would be quite frustrating. Like allowing, not allowing, because you're not allowing, you're, you're facing it head on, to, to constantly have people kind of put a certain identity on you or certain um, characteristics about you when they write about you, uh, whether it be in publications or whether it be in the comment threads, to have other people kind of force their idea of your identity on you rather than you being able to define that in your artistry I can totally see why that would be very frustrating and 
I love that you are you are aware of that and that you're that that's so much a part of what you're you're like uh one of like you're one of your guiding lights. I think that's really cool. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's uh it's uh we, good days and bad days, but uh like you keep going and and like I can just very short story, but uh, I posted a video the other day on Instagram and on Facebook um, of me uh, on stage. And at, at the last song, on every single show, I have, I go down on my knees and I do this little kind of striptease thing. And I also use the microphone as a pretend that it's a penis and I just run around. I'm just acting like a fool, you know? Because that's me. That's me. That's how I am. Uh, and uh, yeah. And what was so interesting about it was that men were commenting like, why do you have to take your clothes off? Why do you have to simulate sex on stage? You're so talented. Where's the guitar? We missed the guitar. So many comments like that. And I started thinking, how, how many men haven't been performing shirtless? Or let's say Axl Rose mm -hmm. in his boxers and nobody says anything. Yeah. Like That's just an example. But you get my point? Uh, or the red is, hot chili peppers. Or the red hot chili peppers. Like, <laughs> yeah. So many. And it's a cool thing. Um, and I'm not, I'm doing it because I want to, because it fits yeah. the show. It's a part of the show. And, and, but the problem there is that people want to see me sit here in my chair, play guitar and look cute, because that is who they want me to be. That's comfortable to them. I'm not challenging them sure. in any way. Right. It's, yeah. So, but I'm here to challenge people. I'm here to, to provoke. That's why I'm here. So I'm excited to see um, the future. It's going to be interesting. <laughs> all right, all right. At the beginning of the episode, you heard me talking about DistroKid. I'm going to mention him again because it's worth it to me. I really think that if you are an artist, you should have an easy and comfortable way to upload your music and get it distributed to all the streaming platforms like Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon, YouTube Music, blah, 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 all that stuff. You should have a way to do that. DistroKid makes it really easy. And also, they don't take a percentage. They do not take a percentage of your royalties. That's amazing. All they do is charge a yearly fee. I love it. I use it. If you're making your own music and want to put it out there in the world, I would suggest using DistroKid. That's that. Easy as that. Let's get back to the interview. I've talked to several people that are outside of the US or the UK. Those countries in particular seem to have less of this phenomenon. There are a lot of countries that have a certain phenomenon where it's like, a Canadian artist or an Italian artist. I have a friend who's an Italian artist who is gigantic in Italy. But you go outside the borders of Italy and nobody knows who they are. I'm wondering for you, do you have a larger audience in Norway or do you feel like you have more of a global audience? Wow. You know what? We have had two or three very good years in Norway. When I say we, I mean me and my band. Uh, yeah. where we've been playing a lot and this summer has been insane. So our audience is growing in Norway as we speak because we are playing as much as we are. And yeah. I haven't I haven't played outside of Norway. I played in the Royal Albert Hall, but that's the only thing. So 
I really don't know. But we are we are having a, a tour in the UK next year. So so I'm I'm just excited to see if the people who have been following me for so many years online will show up and I will get to meet them in person. I'm I I I have no idea. I don't know. Well, I think in a certain way, I would guess. Uh, I mean, there, there's, there's a couple different approaches that you could take as an artist. Excuse me, that anybody could take as an artist who lives in uh, a country where it's not an English-speaking country, or like a primary, like as a as a primary language. So, my friend, who's an Italian artist, they most of their songs are in Italian. So, of course. The Italian-speaking countries or places where that's the native tongue, that's going to be whatever. But what it does is it kind of supercharges their career in that region. And then, but then at the same time, it like limits them to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Your music, is everything that I've heard is all in English. This is why I don't understand why it happens for Canadians. <laughs> like it's just it's they're literally like I could drive to Canada by tonight, you know, like cuz I live in Minnesota. It's it's kind of close. So yeah. that that thing is is interesting to me, but also in the age of the internet, I feel like we are getting less and less of that phenomenon where it's like you're stuck to the confines of your country. I'm wondering if you had do you feel like your career and your artistry would be different, your path would be different if you sang songs in Norwegian? Yeah. Or is this that just like, that just wouldn't work for what you do? I don't know. <laughs> First of all, it wouldn't work. Uh, that's number one. Uh, I think it would sound weird. And um, you know what? I just, singing in Norwegian has never appealed to me in any way. Mm. And I think that is because I want to play outside of Norway. You know, I want to yeah. play in the U.S. I, like the music that I make, it's not very Norwegian. Like it's more yeah. American in many ways. And I've been told that. Very much so. Yeah. 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 So, uh, and the, 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 the people in Norway, it's like they don't listen to the, the type of music that I make. It's kind of, it's not new, but it's mm. different. And they don't know how to kind of take it in. Um, that's interesting. But, I, I do believe that my music would um, fit uh, in other countries and people would enjoy it because in Norway we are kind of, we like pop music here. We like pop music and um, and jazz. So, and it's a small country, you know, like 5 million people. Yeah. We're a tiny country. So I can't wait to travel. When I listen to your music, there's nothing about it that would suggest you're from Norway. There's a couple... Yeah. There's a couple lyrics that I hear you sing where I'm like, oh, I don't know if she was like putting on a sound for like something to make it her voice sound a certain way or if English is her their second language. Right. You know, but I, I at the same time, I knew that after kind of or I listened after kind of knowing you're being a little bit familiar with um, your music and that sort of thing. Yeah. But I'm curious in the modern era. So many people are li- that listen to this podcast and so many people that are just trying to do music for a living. One of the ways that we can be well-known or whatever is through social media. And I'm curious on your thoughts on how to maintain healthy social media habits 
but also how to really leverage social media to get out there. Yeah, it's difficult. Uh, when you said healthy, I mean, I've, I noticed during COVID, like this year of lockdown that we've had, and I lost my job. Like we lost our job uh, 100%. Yeah. So I was very glad in the beginning of March last year that I had Instagram and I had my followers. Like I had an audience. I was very grateful and I used it a lot. Like I was super active on Instagram uh, because, you know, you had to get your creativity out somewhere. Uh, and I noticed when the world started, like, or Norway started opening up again, I didn't feel the need to post as much because I was playing shows again. I was meeting my friends again. Life was kind of coming back. But what I felt is that I I felt bad because I hadn't been posting a story that day. I was stressed out because I felt like I had to film something and post it because that was how my brain was kind of wired at the time that I should post something every day. And I've been doing that for a year. So I had to sit down and kind of have a talk with myself saying like, you are missing out on real life because while you're experiencing beautiful things with your friends, you're feeling bad because you're not filming it. What's wrong with yeah. you? What's wrong with you? <laughs> so I, yeah, really. So yeah. I had to have like a few weeks where I didn't post anything and just kind of feel, <laughs> feel okay about that. And that's, that's messed up, but it can get unhealthy so quickly. So just be... Be awake and, and, you know, it's a scary place, but um, I, I really don't know. Don't, don't let social media replace real life. I let that happen and it wasn't, it wasn't a good thing. The distraction of it is one of the things that, that can be a, a pretty big bummer is that if there is something really special happening, all the, if all of a sudden everybody feels like, oh, we got to get this, I got to get this. It's like, no, 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 just like let the special thing happen. And now if, if it's an audience member or somebody who's not participating in the special thing, then, then fine, go ahead. But sometimes I've been a part of something where there is something really, really compelling happening. And one of the contributors to that moment stopped and started filming for their social media. And then all of a sudden the moment was just immediately gone. So I think in some ways people need to have a certain awareness of just like let let the moment be. Yeah. And and it is hard because so much of how we're conditioned is to like I think I think it's important to only like for me I try not to post on social media unless it's something that I really do feel is kind of compelling or something interesting to add to the conversation of whatever all the noise is on the internet. But I think a lot of times people are not used to being around, like they're used to posting so much mundane things that finally when something really interesting is happening around them, there is like this absolute pressure to capture that moment and post it. Yeah. No, I don't, I don't know. It's like, it's a, I, I reckon, I, I have to reconcile that for myself too, but yeah, I don't know. It's, it's difficult. And it's, and as you said, earlier like how how to kind of use social media and and uh, to help your career i mean it's as we all know it's a brilliant platform like instagram and tiktok i guess whatever um 
and, and and personally, it has helped me so much. I mean, the opportunities I've gotten because of Instagram, like it's it's insane. I wouldn't be where I am without social media, and I know that. That's a fact. Sure. And I'm and I'm proud to say that because that means that I kind of understood how to use it. You know, I un- totally yeah understood what content people wanted and and all of these things. So I'm glad that I did. But at the same time, I need to have a distance between me and, and, and my Instagram profile sometimes. Because also, I'm really, really close to all of my followers. And there are 164,000 of them. So there's a lot yeah. of messages to kind of respond to. And uh, I, I need to have a distance sometimes. And, and j- as I said, just to, to, to be present. And I, my friends and family kind of deserve that, you know, that I am there yeah. when they are there. And not constantly working because it is work. It is a job. You have to take some yeah. time off. Absolutely. And I think that goes with that that goes right hand in hand with the healthy habits yeah. <laughs> portion thing is that under, understanding having some boundaries and limitations, whether it be amount of time or amount of emotional investment. Yeah. In the platform. But also I think one of the things that that fascinates me that I try to protect myself from is not to be too invested in any one particular platform. Because if that, if, if I have all of my, if I have 95% of my energy in one platform and then that platform goes down, it's just like, or not, not even just goes down for like a day. Some people like freak out if YouTube goes down for a day. Yeah. Like I, I know some people that are YouTubers and you know, like that's their life. Yeah. And if YouTube goes down for one day, it's like they have a total emotional and like every, whatever meltdown. And sometimes a lot of money is on the line, whatever. But it's like, ah, you're putting literally everything in one platform on one server. Yeah. So I think it's also important to be on different platforms to just kind of also just reach different audiences. Like there's, Different types of people are on TikTok than there are on Instagram, than there are on Facebook, than there are on YouTube. You know, like different audiences are in those different places. And it's interesting to kind of see what flourishes in those Mm -hmm. different different things. But I mean, I know for from what I'm understanding and from my own experience as well is that Instagram seems to work well for you and I. Yeah, and for me for for people like us and what we're doing. And I think TikTok is very interesting. I think it's funny. I think it's silly, you know, like there's some really interesting things. But what I've seen a lot of musicians do is try to just follow trends of things that are happening. And I think the TikTok algorithm and that app in general um, really celebrates and and um, honors following trends and and being a part of like something happening this week rather than like, here's something that I'm doing right now where maybe some of the other platforms, Instagram, maybe more potently than others. It's like, Mm -hmm. here's this thing that I'm doing and it maybe like fits into a a broad stroke of something. Yeah. Loosely trending, but like a guitar player, singer, songwriter, entertainer, just doing something on camera just seems to work better on Instagram than it does yeah. for TikTok. So it's interesting to see like what works better on different platforms and what type of people gravitate towards as far as what to use as a consumer, but also as a creator. 
Yes, I agree. It's very interesting. You know, I heard something someone said about TikTok. You know, I'm, I'm guessing there's a younger, uh, younger people on TikTok than totally. Yeah, yeah, totally. So, so I heard like um, someone said that uh, their cousin or something is probably around ten years old saw someone on TikTok playing piano, and the kid was like in shock, like. Can someone actually play the piano? Is that a thing? Can people play an instrument like that? <laughs> like you know what I'm saying? I, I yeah. don't know, but but I I think on Instagram there's an older audience and 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 on TikTok people are surprised that you know how to play an instrument, which is just silly, but but I guess that has something to do with it. So and I was like when TikTok came, I decided I'm not going to be on TikTok. And I'm not I'm not going to be super super active on YouTube either, because as you said, if I had to use every single platform and be active on every single one, I wouldn't be able to play shows. Like I wouldn't have the time. And people have suggested like you need to do these lessons, videos, tutorials on YouTube, make longer videos. You should do this. You should do that. Blah blah blah. And I'm like no, because I actually have a job, and my job is to be on stage. That is my number one thing. And Instagram is also an like an extra weapon that I yeah. use. It's that's it. Yeah, no, totally. And I think another thing to consider is that yeah, not everybody has the bandwidth to do all of that. And different people have different types of physical, emotional, and artistic bandwidth that certain things take up for them. And putting together a live show and doing the live show and putting together the band and rehearsing the band, making albums, that takes a lot of bandwidth. Yeah. And, you know, I think sometimes if we're expected to do everything, it can really drain a person. Yeah. But also different people have different levels of bandwidth, which is okay. That's great. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right about the TikTok thing. That is interesting that the 10-year-old didn't, didn't really understand that but but like why then in that case like why isn't it that some piano player can just go on tiktok and absolutely crush like oh my yeah. gosh this person <laughs> plays in his like is that less impressive nowadays like as far as mass appeal i don't know like if you just go on on tiktok and play a guitar solo why aren't people just freaking out i don't know like i think that's also what gets celebrated on certain platforms like what gets the attention and i think that's okay because again, like it's an awareness of the game. Like yeah. you're saying, if you we're on social media, if you if you cut through and you have some sort of following, it means that you've like kind of figured something out how to make something work on that. And I think certain platforms are better for certain types of things that people bring to the table. Yeah. And and of course, yes, generally generationally, it feels like younger audience TikTok. Millennial audience, Instagram. Millennial plus and minus five, 10 years, mm -hmm. you know, on, on both sides. And then Facebook is the older audience down maybe kind of through millennial-ish. Yeah. But also different things are like acceptable on those platforms. Like when I go on Instagram, I'm okay seeing an ad. It's like, oh yeah, they, they probably, the algorithm probably knows me better than I know myself. Like, do I need this pair of pants? Maybe. Those <laughs> pants are really dope. How did they know that that pair of pants would appeal to me? But you know what? It did. And it's like, I, I don't know. Like, but 
as soon as I log into TikTok, it's like, I don't want you to sell me anything. And it feels like that platform's like, no, we're not allowing we're not allowing ourselves to be sold to. But on Instagram, it's like, or Facebook, some of these other things, like, sure, sell things to me. Like it's kind of part of the deal. Yeah. I don't know. Like, like how how did TikTok get away with that? <laughs> that's <laughs> that's a very good point, and I agree with you. Like, why? Why we are so stupid sometimes? So simple. We're like, yeah, that's okay. <laughs> I'll buy every single T-shirt that you want to sell me. No problem. I'll do that because it feels right on Instagram. Like stupid. <laughs> I know, but. Um... I don't know. It's it's who we are as yeah. a society now. It is. And it's part of us. And I think also it's kind of okay. Yeah. Like to a certain extent. Again, if it's healthy and like we're uh, approaching it with, with, with limitations or boundaries. Definitely. Uh, so what is next for you? You have your album out. You have a new single out. You're working on an album. You're starting to play more shows. What's coming up for you? It's busy with live shows pretty much every weekend. and But in two weeks, I'm going back into the studio. And then I am bringing my beautiful demos to my producer. And I can't wait for him to kind of start working on them. I am so sick of my own brain and my own ideas. Because I've been alone with it for a year. So I can't wait yeah. for him to kind of give me feedback and start working on new songs. So... Yeah, this fall we'll be just performing and, uh, and finishing this album that is going to be that is going to be very exciting. This album is going to be different, uh, as I mentioned. Uh, yeah, I'm really excited about it, and uh, I hope the songs are good enough. I, th- I I do believe that they are. You kind of glazed over something that I want to ask you about really quick. Yeah, you you said you're kind of sick of your own brain, which we all get. Um, and you want to get in the room or get into collaboration with somebody who can help you. How do you find that right person mm. to collaborate with? Or how do, you, how do you build that trust in someone and have someone build that trust in you? You know, I, before I met the producer that I'm working with now, I only worked with my brother. Uh, and my brother is also my best friend and he's one of the best guitar players that I know. Uh, so I know my brother in and out. So that was kind of like a, that was a good deal that, that worked out fine, but I needed to, to try something new. And how I find the producer I'm working with now is that I heard a song of a Norwegian artist and I just loved the production and I loved the song. And I knew that he was a part of writing that song as well. Mm -hmm. And I uh, contacted him on Instagram saying, I love your work. Are you busy? <laughs> or could we meet up and could you listen to this idea that I have? And he was yeah. like, I love your work too. I've been following you for a while. Let's meet up. Come to my studio. And I went. And I, w- when I meet new people that I might work with, um, I, I, I almost study them. You know, I watch their mm. every move and I watch how they react to the, to my, uh, ideas and when I you know propose something or whatever it might be how do they list do they listen to me I just feel the energy in the room and when I leave it's a yes or it's a no it's a yeah. yes or it's a no that's that's it did it feel good when I leave the room do I feel good inside and so I tried the a single we released the single together and it 
worked out perfectly. I mean, he, he just got me. It might be the yeah. same thing with the guitar, you know, when you, you get a new guitar. You can't, <laughs> you can't explain why, but it feels right in your hands or it doesn't. That's a very simple com- but compelling answer. It's so like, exactly. That's great. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I think working with somebody who help makes you feel good about what you're doing, but also brings a lot of value to not just like, oh, this person makes me feel good because they say all my ideas are great. It's oh. like they'll, they'll challenge me in a way that actually makes me feel good, like helps yeah. me to know, okay, maybe I was wrong about this thing. They're helping me bring more artist, art, artistic value, you know, or, or just better musical decisions or interesting production moves or chord choices or stops or hits mm-hmm. and, and make you feel good that way rather than just, yeah. oh yeah, everything you do is awesome. You're so great. Yeah. Oh yeah. Keep it up, Tora. Oh yeah. yeah. Come on. Yeah. That's great. And then it's like, oh, okay. It's like patronizing at that point. Yeah. You know? That's a very good point. Uh, you know, we all love compliments. That's <laughs> obviously. But yeah, you know, when people challenge you, and what I love about being in the studio with this guy uh, is when I get home, I just keep working. You know, he motivates mm. me to keep working. And I don't come home and I, I, I and feel exhausted. I'm ready to do, yeah. to do more work because I'm excited about the next session. And to have people like that, in your life is very important because um, you need to be motivated. That is also an important thing, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It sounds like you've got a great match. I think That's so. That's cool. I think so. Yeah. And that person is out there for everybody. Mm-hmm. It's just finding that person. Yeah, and I and I have many friends now because I studied music in Oslo for three years. So I have many friends who are mm-hmm. kind of like struggling to, to, to kind of take the next step you know, they have the songs, they've written the songs, maybe they have a band, but they want to put their songs out there. And it's it's about like taking the next step. How do I do that? Who do I contact? What do I do? That's, you know, everybody asks that question. What do I do? And it, it can be difficult, but it's, you know, never say no, say yes to everything, meet everyone, and you'll probably find the right match. Same with love, you know, go and Shit loads of Tinder dates, and maybe you'll find someone. Who knows? <laughs> well, I want to close out with a question that I ask a lot of my guests, mm-hmm. and it's a three-part question. It's all about gear, because as guitar players, we love gear, right? Yeah. The general gist is pieces of gear that everybody needs, in your opinion. Okay, so the first question is, something around $20, 20 euros, or less that every guitar player needs. I'm so I have to think about how much that is in Norwegian kroner. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's not a lot of money, is it? So it's about 100 by today's standard, it's uh about 100 loosely 173 Norwegian kroner. Okay, okay. Well, you know what? I I would say buy as many guitar picks as you can and have like have a, I don't know, like a bag, like filled with, with guitar picks in your guitar bag, <laughs> always. <laughs> you, you will lose them, so why not? That's absolutely true. Yeah. Okay, we're going to go 10x, 
$200 euros-ish or call it 1,700 Norwegian kroner? I would say, I don't know if that's enough, but you, w- you need a very good guitar bag that's safe for your instrument so you can travel and uh, so it will stay safe. I like that answer. I have not had that answer yet. That's really? good. Oh, wow. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I actually uh, don't remember how much guitar cases are. What case do you... I, I mean, I, as I'm, I'm like pausing, I'm like, I feel like such a prick saying that. Like, no. you know, like, I don't know how much guitar cases are. Uh, anyways, <laughs> what case do you... What, what case do you normally like to use if you're just bringing around one guitar? One guitar, I use my the bag that I got for Moksu guitars, the the guys yeah. that made my signature guitars. But when I travel, I use the double mono bag. Mono bag? Yeah, the yeah. M80 double. Yeah. My guitars are safe. Yeah. Yeah, that's actually exactly what I use. It I is. I use the double case. Yep. Well, there's actually two different double cases that I use. Sometimes I use just the regular double electric guitar case, and I bring my two Stratocasters. Sometimes I bring... I use the electric acoustic bag. And what I do is I put two guitars in, but on the acoustic side, there's extra room. So I put all my clothes in there. Yes. Yes, baby. <laughs> That's the thing. That's the thing. I know. I agree with you. Like, so you don't have to bring a suitcase. You just ba 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 bum. It's easy. And actually, some if I ever, like for the Wolfpack tours, we always have a backline Stratocaster just as a, like a, a backup in case I break a string or if Theo breaks a string. So I only ever bring one guitar on Wolfpack tours. So on Wolfpack tours, I bring my acoustic electric case. I put my electric guitar in the electric side. And then the entire acoustic side is my suitcase. And it's just my backpack and my guitar case. And it's so easy to just travel around like that. It is. And that's an important thing. When you travel a lot, you have to be creative with the way you travel and how to pack your things. That's part of the job. (laughs) I love that. Okay, last question. Money is not an issue. No amount of money, you've, you've got all the money in the world. What is one piece of guitar? What's one piece of gear that every guitar player needs? My signature guitar. See, I was teeing you up there. It's, that's easy, you know. That's, okay, so what is it that makes your signature guitar special? It's sexy. No, I'm kidding. Um, what makes it special? I, I can only speak for myself, but it was a moment when I tried it I was moved. Uh, and I don't really, mm. I'm not a, I don't know much about gear or guitars. Like I play whatever people, whatever I had at the time. But when I got that guitar, I understood for the first time why people talked so much about guitars and how they felt and blah, blah, blah. Because then I understood that, okay, I found the love of my life and the sustain. It was the sustain. That was what blew mm. me away. It lasted and lasted and lasted. And the way that I play, I need that. So, and it looks very good, and it has my name on it. So, that's something too. I love the way that they put your that they put Torah on the twelfth fret there. It looks super cool. You think so? Oh yes, it looks awesome. Oh. I actually wanted to do that. I, I, it's a little specific, you know. So when I did my signature guitar with Fender, I was like, should I do something like that? Yeah. I, I actually looked at your guitar as a reference. Like, should I do something? Then I thought, oh, maybe it's a little too specific for me mm-hmm. you know but i it looks dope thank you i think so too thank you yeah yeah i love it how much does it cost 
right now I have to say like euros and stuff. Then my brain goes like zoom, zooms out. Okay, so how many euros is it? I don't know, Corey Wong. How many Norwegian kroner is it? Around, I don't, 22,000. Okay, so it's probably about $2,400-ish. Something like that. Judging off my previous thing that I guessed for $20. Okay. Somewhere in there. Okay. Ish. Yeah. Uh, cool. cool. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. I have actually never played that brand of guitars before. I haven't seen it. So I'll try to find one. Yeah. Check it out. Do that. I think you'll, you'll really love it. It's a great guitar. Awesome. Well, Tora, thank you so much for being with us. It's really, really fun to to hang with you here. And hopefully we'll get to see each other in person at some point. Yes. I, I got to come tour. I got to come play in Oslo. I've had a lot of people ask me to play there and I really want to go. You have to come and then you have to send me a message and then we can have a beer and talk about stuff. That would be cool. That'd be great. Yes. That'd be great. And play some guitar. Definitely. Hang out and play some guitars. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I will hopefully see you soon. Thank you. Thank you so much. There you have it. That was fun. That was fun. She's cool. I like her a lot. Tora is great. So if you're not hip, if you if this is your first experience, uh, go check out all of her stuff on Spotify or Apple, wherever you listen to her music, because it's good. The albums are cool. Like the, the music is cool. It feels uh, really great. And like I said at the beginning, I really like those tones. I really like the songs. Cool voice. Keep an eye out. I think this is this is this is a guitar player to look out for okay i'm just calling it right now hey like i also said at the beginning i'm on tour right now u.s and then i'm going to europe so actually a lot of the shows are sold out or getting close so check it out get some tickets okay come out and say hi come see me on tour peace <laughs>